happy 4th of July. Welcome back to another episode of Halitech Hall. This is Double A. And, of course, we have Mr. Michael Halitech. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, Double A. Good morning to the Halitech Hall throng, which is growing um, bits and pieces, but we're continuing to grow out there. So we appreciate those of you who have stuck with us from, from day one and, and continued to share the wealth about the Bears history you're finding on Halitech Hall. It's, it's a great day. We are recording on the 4th of July, so uh, I don't know if uh, AA can get this out later today or if it won't get out until tomorrow, but if you're, if you're listening, I hope you have a safe and happy July 4th. And as always, we are so glad and fortunate to be sponsored by TickSplits.com. Every ticket, every venue, everywhere, TickSplits.com, no service fees. So think StubHub without fees, and you've got TickSplits. And even better, they have given us a promo code to use on both the tailgate and at Halitech Hall. It's simply tailgate. It's all caps. It's all one word. And you will save 5% on any tickets. And, Aaron, speaking of tickets, we've got a, a, an event that we're absolutely proud to be promoting. Why don't you uh, tell us about it? Uh, yeah, we were lucky enough to have uh, Mr. Adam Rank from NFL Network on our other show, The Tailgate Show, uh, yesterday. That show just dropped um, early this morning. Uh, and he actually started out, <clears throat> some people may not know this, he started out as a stand-up comic. Uh, so he's uh, been kind of getting back into that sort of uh, – piggybacking off of his NFL network and fantasy football uh, fame. And so he is doing a tour um, and he's coming to Chicago. Uh, so you can get those tickets on Tick Splits and it's going to be on July 21st at nine o'clock at Beat Kitchen. Um, so if you just go to TickSplits.com and you just search Adam Rank, it comes up super fast um, and there are tickets available. Uh, he said that he's going to be doing uh, meet and greet afterward, um, and he said on our show, uh, if they try to charge you extra for the meet and greet, don't pay it. Or he'll still meet and greet everybody out there. Um, so, uh, should be fun thing. He says he's going to talk, um, you know, fantasy football and football, and then he's going to do some of his stand up. And he's just a, you know, as we've played some of his stuff on our show, he's just a full of energy. Uh, and he gave. Um, I unfortunately did not get to participate in the interview. I had to work on the schedule. You know, just was when we could get him, we could get him. Um, but uh, Diddy and Jared did a great job. They got about 35, 37 minutes with him, um, and he was just, you know, great as always. So, yeah, check out uh, TickSplits.com. Search Adam Rank. He'll be at the Beat Kitchen uh, at 9 o'clock on Sunday, July 21st. So check that out. We will be posting a link for the tickets that are available at TickSplits. It'll be pinned to the top of at Halitech Hall on Twitter. So follow us at Halitech Hall, and you can just click directly on that link and get your tickets to go see Adam Rank. I promise you it will be a great evening. Adam Rank is a true Bears fan. If anybody saw him on NFL Network a couple of weeks ago, he was on and predicted all the teams, if I'm not mistaken, right, Aaron? He yeah. predicted the records of every team, and, and we talked about this uh, a couple of episodes ago. And 16 and 0 for the Bears. Yeah. Uh, he, he was absolutely hysterical. If you haven't seen the video, you can find it all over Bears Twitter. He's out there 
just a, a fun, fun guy to, to listen to. I know that he has been on a lot of uh, Bears Twitter podcasts lately, and uh, just a joy to listen to. I wish I could go, but I live a little bit too far away to get down there after I get off of work at 5 o'clock and get down there for a show and then get all the way back to where right. I live. But uh, I tell you what, it would be certainly worth everybody's time to go and see Adam Rank. It's uh, He's just a joy to listen to. So Adam Rank in Chicago, July 21st. You'll be able to find the link for the tickets available at TickSplits.com at Halitech Hall. It'll be pinned to the top of our uh, of our Twitter page uh, as soon as this episode is over. Indeed, indeed. Go check that out. So, Aaron, we got a, a nice show planned for today. We're going to talk a little bit about current events. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the... The Chicago Bears on ChicagoBears.com put out a a nice story about some all-time records going through this 100-year history of of Bears football, Uh, some records that they think are without uh, without question, I guess, uh, will never be beaten. And there's a few on the list that, that I don't think will ever be beaten, and there's a couple on there that I think can be. But, you know, the proof is in the pudding. So without further ado, we'd like to congratulate Charles Leno, Jr. If uh, those of you who were at the game uh, last December when they clinched the division after beating Green Bay, uh, Leno took midfield after the game with his girlfriend and proposed to her right there. It was on camera, uh, so it was was shown to the entire what – was left of the crowd after the game was over and they tied the knot fittingly on 7-2, which is Mr. Leno's Jersey number. So congratulations to Charles and his new bride who uh, tied the knot in Hawaii earlier this week. Yeah, for sure. Congratulations to him. Jennifer, uh, his lovely wife is great. She's always active on Twitter. Uh, They're a really uh, fun couple. Um, so congratulations to them. They got married out in Maui. Um, and, uh, you know, the, that's always nice to see. Did you see the look on her face on the video board again after that game in Green Bay was over when he popped the question? Do you remember that? I don't remember it happening. I, I mean, we were there, and, and I don't remember it happening live. I saw it later. Um because, uh, you know, after the game, of course, we were running around like fools. Um, but I, I don't know. Um, I, I don't remember. But I remember her uh, seeing it online. She was, she was definitely uh, very excited. Absolutely. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. You know, they, they, they do the, the club dub on the video board after the game, and they, they somehow got uh, – wind of what was going on and they actually broadcast it live right on the on the big jumbotrons in both end zones so it was it was fun to see and you know we talked about this before about the bears being a huge family and and it's millions and millions of people strong and that's what it kind of felt like we were all kind of involved in that in one one way or another so Congratulations, Mr. Leno, and newly 
new the new Mrs. Leno, and, and I wish you guys a uh, nothing but but a great wedding, great uh, children, and of course a, a couple of Lombardi trophies in your, in your life with That's the Bears. Right. So. Um, Kind of a quiet week. We are now just three weeks away from from the veterans reporting to camp and and 22 days away from their first workout. Somebody had posted a question on Twitter about when they thought the first padded practice would be, and traditionally it's always been that first Sunday. Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't have have that verified, but for those of you that are listening – uh, when you go down to camp, it's going to be shells and shorts, at least for the first couple of days. And for those of you that are planning on going to Bourbonnais, please remember you need to go to chicagobears.com and get tickets. They will not allow you into the practice grounds without a ticket. The tickets are free, uh, but it's just a way to, to get a handle on who's coming in and out of the game if you have to leave the practice facility for any reason, you can be readmitted. This isn't something like uh, like a Bears game at Soldier Field where if you leave, you can't come back in. So make sure you get your tickets at chicagobears.com and enjoy the camp. I wish I could be there. The only day I could be there is July 28th, and I already have a previous engagement. So I know, Aaron, you're planning on going to at least one of the uh, practices down in Bourbonnais. Yeah, I'm going to go on the 29th for sure. I think that's probably the only day that I'm going to get down there. But um, so, yeah, I'm excited for that for sure. Um, And then, you know, as always, remember, uh, if you guys do go there, it is hot. So make sure you dress accordingly. Uh, The the heat sneaks up on you. You might get up early to drive down there and then by uh, 10 o'clock, it's it's 85 degrees with 90 percent humidity. So. It, it always seems to be a scorcher down in Bourbonnais, that's for sure. So yeah. uh, there are vendors. They sell plenty of water. Uh, mm-hmm. They sell plenty of other beverages out there. I don't I don't recall them serving beer. No, there's no beer, but you can bring in whatever you want. They're not uh, – you can bring in coolers, and um, I don't think beer you can, but I think you can bring in, um, you know, any of your own beverages and food and whatnot. So it's it's a real fun, relaxed – uh, atmosphere. I think it might be a little more uh, hectic than normal just because of the anticipation about on this team this year. But um, uh, and then the other thing that has changed is that they are they did put on the tickets this year that they are not allowing video to be um, recorded during the during the practices. Um, they they say you can take still photos. I'm not sure how they'll be able to tell whether you're taking still photos or videos with your phone, but. Um, they're being a little more tight about it this year, I think partially because of the kicker situation. And then, uh, you know, otherwise they're just trying to protect the, uh, the property, um, and the playbook and, and whatnot. So, uh, even Greg Braggs, who we had on, uh, the tailgate this week said, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's happy to fall in line with that policy. Um, even though it means he won't get to put up so many of his, uh, of his famous camp videos, um, but I was going to say the one cool thing I thought that happened this week um, that I wanted to mention was David Montgomery uh, at his footwork training, um, which which got put online, which was just amazing. And uh, the guy has been working with um, this footwork coach, um, and he put up some really awesome videos online of him just doing these drills 
And the kid just looks unbelievable. I mean, he looks so fast, so quick, so shifty. Um, I must have watched those videos a hundred times, just over and over and over. And he just, he's so into it and so ready to go. And so uh, really excited for um, for him, uh, just based on what, what you saw uh, in those videos. Kid's got uh, fast feet. Was amazing seeing those videos. I, mm-hmm. I don't think I've seen an exercise uh, quite like that before. You know, we see videos of guys all the time. I think last year it was uh, Miller going through his route runnings and how he was just literally faking some guys out of their shoes running routes. And now we've got Montgomery. I'm just so impressed watching Montgomery's film because obviously uh, I'm one of many who didn't even know this kid existed before the draft as they just don't get involved too much with looking at prospects until they're drafted by the Bears. Or I'd go nuts going, oh, we got to have this guy. No, we need this guy. And There's all of this clamor that goes on at Bears Twitter about who they should draft and why they should draft them and why they didn't draft them. And the Bears are idiots for not drafting this guy. I don't pay attention to that stuff. I just wait until we see who the Bears draft, and then I go out and look. The one exception would be, of course, Mitch Trubisky, because everybody knew the Bears were going to draft a quarterback that year, and so we did a lot of looking at the quarterbacks. And you know, I didn't think Mahomes was going to come out his second year and, and be the MVP of the league. Uh, Watson, yeah, maybe Trubisky. You know, obviously his doubters were were valid because he'd only played in in 12 games at North Carolina, so. We spent a lot of time. We invested a lot of, of equity looking at quarterbacks that year. Montgomery, the way he can break tackles, has just amazed me. What do you think, Aaron? Yeah, for sure. I mean, another cool thing that he put up during the week was uh, he tweeted at uh, Walter Payton's son that he's just been watching nothing but Walter Payton videos. Um, and, and, you know, obviously his athletic ability jumps off the screen when when you see him. Uh, but I think the biggest thing is just his character seems to be so high. He seems to just be really driven um, and, you know, and it doesn't seem like it's just some big act. I mean, uh, you know, he's, you know, he's, he doesn't have to be doing any of this stuff. This is their vacation time. Um, and he's, you know, he's out here, uh, doing these drills and trying to get better. And, um, I just think the bears got a good one, man. I mean, he looks like a, he looks like a first, second round pick and, uh, you know, he just wants to be great. You hear, you know, so much about his pass catching ability that his old, his coach at Iowa state said he was the best route runner on the team period of anybody on the team. So, um, you know, we've talked about it before, but I just think he is going to be really exciting. And, uh, you know, he, he look out for him as a, maybe a rookie of the year, uh, type of candidate. Um, so yeah, just, just fun to see, uh, great to see, you know, I hear a lot of, um, the guys have been at the facility during the off time. Um, I was listening to uh, Joniak and Thayer, and and they were talking about you know that the parking lot at Hallis Hall has been full every day with players um, here during the off time. So they're not, you know, they're really uh, focusing in. Uh, so that's great to see. They also posted this week the the Madden numbers 
for Montgomery <laughs> and all of the other rookies. And, and you know, it's, it's similar to what Bears have seen with, with their team throughout other than, other than guys like Devin Hester, where they're not rated as high as we thought. And I think Montgomery was a little bit slighted in the numbers that, that came out for, for him. But it's just motivation, just motivation. You know, another rookie we've heard a lot about so far in this offseason as we're now just 21 days away from camp opening. Uh, and by the way, three days earlier on, on Monday, rookies report to Bourbon A. So we've, we kind of missed that. That just got announced here within the last week as well. But their number four, their, their fourth round pick, number 126 overall, Riley Ridley, the white receiver out of Georgia, has quietly been garnishing praise all over Bears Twitter. And not only Bears Twitter, but around around the league, the, the talking heads that, that are out there that we usually hear very little about the Bears from, uh, they're talking about this kid. So um, I'm real anxious to see both these guys, and, and then last but not least, the their I think it was the, their last draft choice, Kareth White out of uh, I think he was out of Florida. Uh, he's supposed to be just a true speedster, and he could bring an interesting intangible to the Bears' offense in a, you know in a spot role. So a lot to look forward to at, at camp this year, Aaron, and I, I'm looking forward to. His, getting a full report from you uh, when you come home on Monday the 29th. Yeah, definitely. Uh, looking forward to it. Uh, you know, lots of lots of good stuff. But, you know, I think what's the best about camp is that, you know, and I was talking about this on the tailgate show, is, and I think we've mentioned this, is you could pretty much put down about 48 of the 53-man roster right now. Um, and that's what's cool is that, you know, there are some interesting battles, but we're not doing what we've done many years in the past and, like, wondering who <laughs> who's going to play some really key positions. Um, you know, so that's, that's I think, what's most exciting. And, uh, you know, what this team uh, is going to be doing this season is, is perfecting uh, things and working on the details and doing what the, the, the winning teams do, which is uh, working on, you know, very specific things. Uh, in in-game scenarios and so they're prepared uh, for all these you know strange little things that might happen so yeah it's uh, it's always a uh, it should be a good time and um you know as always we just uh, we just pray for good health and uh not too many injuries and uh you know just get out of camp healthy and get into the preseason and get out of that healthy absolutely now, as we get into the main portion of our show today, before we do, we, we, of course, we want to talk a little bit about our sponsor again, and that, of course, is TickSplits.com. TickSplits.com has events for, there's tickets for every event. You're talking sports, you're talking concerts, Broadway shows, Vegas shows, music festivals. You never pay a service fee. And through our promo code tailgate, you can save 5% at tick splits, not just on Bears tickets, guys and ladies, every single ticket. There is over $6 billion, that's billion with a B, of ticket inventory at ticksplits.com every day. 
and you never have to pay those 20, 25, 30% service fees that you have to pay with the other bigger names in the market. So they're a newcomer to the marketplace. They're uh, happy to give us some discounts to help our listeners get tickets at better prices. And of course, spread the word about TickSplits. So go to TickSplits.com today. You can download the TickSplits app on any device, whether it's Apple or Google. TickSplits.com, guaranteed seats, guaranteed emotions. TickSplits.com, go there today for your tickets to go see Adam Rank. The link for the Adam Rank tickets is now posted. It's pinned to the top of Halitech Hall on Twitter. So go and get your tickets to see this guy. He's, he's a lot of fun, and he's a huge Bears fan. Yeah, I was, I was just looking on TickSplits.com. You can get tickets to the first preseason game right now for less than $30. Um, uh, Bears versus Panthers. Um, so, you know, I, I, I would really encourage people to go out and check that out. When are you going to go to Soldier Field for less than $30? Amen. <laughs> Never. Can't even park. Absolutely. <laughs> Hey, I've got, through TickSplits, two tickets for the, the that game. And why don't we give them away? Yeah, sounds like a good idea. So all you have to do is follow Halitech Hall on Twitter and then post just the word TickSplits when you follow us. And... We will randomly pick somebody to win two tickets to the Bears' first preseason game. That's uh, Thursday night, August 8th. I will be in attendance that game, so uh, it's going to be probably the only game where you, you see the starters for any length of time at all. They'll be out there probably for two or three series and, and maybe a little bit in the second game, but we know we're not going to see the starters, we're not going to see Mitch in game three and game four if Matt Nagy holds true to what he did last year. So it's the only time to, to see the Bears starters at Soldier Field in the preseason. So just go to Halitech Hall at, at Twitter, follow us. And if we get to, uh, we now currently have 185 followers if they're only being out there for three weeks. Uh, if we can get that follower up to 500 people, we're going to give away two tickets to that preseason game so you can go and enjoy the Bears, have a couple of cold ones by the lakefront, and just enjoy the evening. Awesome. That sounds like an amazing opportunity. Thanks to TickSplits for that. Absolutely. So about uh, four or five days ago, the... Uh, the Bears put out on their website some some events, some records that they think likely will never be broken. And we're going to discuss those and, and maybe a couple of other ones for the rest of our show. It's a lot of fun. And as we do here on Havitech Hall, we spend a good time talking about the history of the charter franchise of the NFL. We have 100 years of Bears history to talk about. And trust me, if you don't know the Bears going back into the 20s, 30s, and 40s, you really can't appreciate the hard times that Bears fans in the last 30 years have gone through because, quite frankly, there was no better franchise in the NFL the first 50 years. 
bar none. Absolutely, without question, put a stamp on it. They were the best team in, in all of the NFL for the first 50 years. And as they start the next 100 years, they're right back where they were at the beginning of the league, back on top where they belong. So without further ado, if you if you want to take a look at, at most of the list we're going to talk about, go to chicagobears.com and pull up this list because it's a real treat. Aaron, they started with Pina Tillman, which was uh, something that I had forgotten about. But in one game, Charles Tillman forced four fumbles in one game. That game occurred on November 4th of 2012 down in Tennessee against the Titans. I remember watching that game. It was uh, it, it just seemed like every time you turned around, that Peanut was just causing absolute havoc uh, out in the backfield. Snap pass back, Clay Fake gonna throw from his five, winds up over the middle, open at the 42-yard line, running ball, right, ball. the ball is out, Erlacher recovers, 45-yard line, 46 of Tennessee. Charles Tillman. This is who the Chicago Bears are about, and the Tennessee Titans, this is the last thing they wanted to do, start the game. And Johnson out of the backfield, and he loses the ball. This isn't just happenstance. It doesn't just happen. They don't wait for turnovers. They create takeaways. Look at this. There's one. There's two. And then he finally got there, but out of bounds. Another strip by Tillman. Is this another defensive touchdown? No. Brian Erlacher chases Charles Tillman across the field to give him a congratulatory hug and pick him up to make sure that he's appreciated for the effort that he's given. You know, just the awareness there. You know, I, I tell you what, this is MVP type quality. I, I can't think of another defensive player that is impacting the game the way this guy is right now. Did you happen to remember that game? I don't remember it that well, to be honest. Um, you know, I, I, I remember uh, Tillman being a, a force to be reckoned with um, in terms of, uh, you know, causing uh, fumbles. But, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, it doesn't surprise me that, that uh, he's in the record books because um, the guy uh, really kind of invented, uh, you know, the, this peanut punch and, um you know, he was just every time he was on the field, he was, uh, you know, a um, something that was was you had to watch, you know, must see television. Um, and it was funny at Bears 100. He talked about how uh, he he loved uh, being on the kickoff uh, team just because, you know, he got to be, you know, uh, involved in the excitement of the Hester plays. But uh, obviously he took center stage on this game. He absolutely did. Uh, this was a game down in in Nashville. They destroyed Tennessee, 51 to 20. It was, uh, I believe, this is Lovey Smith's last year as head coach. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. And you know, it was it was kind of ironic that they missed the playoffs by one game. They finished 10 and six, but missed the playoffs. This was a game that uh, that Brandon Marshall caught two touchdown passes from Jay Cutler in the fourth quarter. Uh, I believe Brian Erlocker had a 46-yard interception return for a touchdown in the first half. 
it was just it was all bears from from start to finish. Uh, the bears actually started the, the scoring that day when when Corey Wooten picked up a, a block punt and uh, waltzed into the end zone from five yards out to uh, to start the to, to start the game. And then the Titans got a safety uh, shortly thereafter. And then it was just all bears after that. It was 31 to two before the Titans actually kicked a field goal in the second quarter. And then they, they scored a touchdown early in the third quarter. And then from there on out, it was just all bears, just all bears. Um, was a fun game to, to watch. And that game, like we said, Peanut Tillman was just a work of art. He was a machine at, at punching the ball out of, of the Tennessee players' hands. And uh, four, four forced fumbles. I, I don't think that will ever be a, a record to be broken, probably not only by the Bears, but maybe by anybody in the league going forward. It was just an incredible, incredible game to watch. Yeah, I mean, I, the only guy I could think of that could touch that would be maybe Khalil Mack. I mean, Mack has a knack for getting getting the ball out, but, I mean, you know, I don't know. That would be a tough one. Speaking of linebackers, when, you know, this this show is not uh, scripted, guys, and uh, but this was just an absolute perfect segue by Aaron. Speaking of linebackers, the next record is held by Dick Butkus. He recovered 25 fumbles in his career as a Bear, and I, I don't think that is going to be a record that we'll ever see broken by any Bear anytime soon, unless Khalil Mack has a long and prosperous career in Chicago. He strips them, but he doesn't often recover them as well. Right. Although he, he did have a couple last year where he had strips, sack, and fumble recoveries. So it's incredible to, to see that this record, after all this time, still stands. Well, I would say with Butkus, uh, if if you fumble, you're probably either knocked out or you're afraid to pick up the ball uh, <laughs> with Butkus around. So it doesn't surprise me that he had so many recoveries because uh, chances are whoever fumbled it was probably stone cold laid out. There were some stories about Dick Butkus uh, going after balls in a in a big pile, um, and people claimed that that he bit <laughs> the uh, the offensive players going trying to reach for the ball. So uh, quite a quite a historic record to to say the least. That that you know Dick Butkus is you know one of the top bears in Bears history, and I don't think that's going to be a record we're going to see broken in, at least in my lifetime. No, no. Here's a record that has stood since 1961. It, maybe Mitch Trubisky can break this one. But he has, to, he has to throw a touchdown pass for 99 yards to do it. Billy Wade threw a touchdown pass in Detroit to uh, Bears receiver Bo Farrington. That went for 98 yards obviously that's only been broken by a handful of players sadly enough the bears defense has given up two of those 99 yard touchdown receptions one to brett Favre, and one i believe was to sonny jurgensen on the opening day game uh, back in the 60s against the washington redskins 
The odd part about that game, Aaron, there were four touchdowns in that game that were longer than 50 yards. Hard wow. to believe. Okay. Yeah. Detroit had two. They had a 61-yard pass completion for a touchdown. They had a 100-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. They, you had Bo Farrington's 98-yard touchdown reception. And Bears running back, another running back that tragically left the Bears way too soon, Willie Gallimore had a 53-yard run in that game. So interesting that we had so many long long TDs in that Bears victory back in, back in 1961. Here's another record. It's co-owned by Devin Hester and Nate Vasher. And I bet you can guess what record this is. Uh, longest kickoff return or longest well, were, return, longest return. Right, they were both punt returns or, okay. or I'm sorry, missed field goal returns. Oh, right, right. Um, but uh, in, and they both happened in November, almost exactly one year apart. November 13th of 2005, the Bears were playing the San Francisco 49ers in, in Chicago. It was an absolutely brutal weather conditions. The wind was just gusting like 35 miles an hour. It was coming out of the, the west, but it would hit those those skyboxes and sweep down, and, and the wind was blowing from east to west. And right before halftime, San Francisco attempted a long field goal. I don't know how Vasher even was able to catch the ball. And he brought it out. He kind of did a pirouette. He was going to the left. He ran around the, the right side along the visitor's bench on the east sidelines and took it 108 yards for a touchdown. Last play of the half. Niners Nedney field goal. And that's no good. Nathan Vasher, eight yards. Oh, I'll run it out. What the heck? And whoop! Gets past five Niners right there. He started eight yards deep in his end zone. It's the ultimate. Good. Go. The way an NFL record 108 yards, the longest return in NFL history. They've been playing since 1920. What a play! Yeah, great blocking by the Bears, and that's Brian Erlacher running, running, running to throw that very last block for him to spring him into the end zone. Erlacher and the other fine linebacker, number 55, Lance Briggs, up there too. So it's 7 3. And almost one year ago to the day, on uh, November 12th, Devin Hester tied that mark with a 108-yard touchdown that I'm sure everybody who's listening to this podcast remembers. It was uh, where Devin Hester was on a it was on a Sunday night, and Devin Hester grabbed the ball eight yards deep in the end zone, kind of hesitated for a little bit, and the Bears field goal blocking team kind of just started to jog off towards their sideline and New York kind of started to jog off towards theirs and nobody touched Devin. He, he broke out of the end zone. He, he, he had one, he had one guy he had to beat and he went around him and right down the sidelines for a 108 yard touchdown. And that was just an incredible, incredible return. So Feely's kick pressure kick, not even close. And now Hester, after hesitating, he's going to run it out. And Hester is going to run it out past the 40, 
into Giants territory. He is going to go all the way. Touchdown, Chicago. And no flags. What what a deke by Hester. I mean, the kick is short. He stands there as if, okay, that's it. I'm going to take a knee. He waits to see what develops. There he is. Nothing. A little fake. And the next thing you know, it's a play that equals the longest play in the history of the National Football League. Heck of a block. Great block. Down the sideline he goes on a missed 52-yard attempt. Did you think that he made that first move on purpose? I mean, that he was trying to draw him, blow him to sleep? You know, I don't, you don't know with him. This no, I kid, know you This don't. kid was a phenomenal run-back guy in college. One of the reasons they drafted him, he's run back two punts, 80 or more yards. He's also fumbled some kicks. But right now, he has turned this into an 11-point advantage. Yeah, it's got to be, it's got to be 109 yards in order to do it. So who's going to do it? Maybe Cordell Patterson? On a kickoff, he's, he's had, you know, he's had some some long returns in in his career. Could it be Tariq Cohen? I don't think it's going to be Cohen because he doesn't do kickoff returns. So if anybody's going to do it, it's going to probably be Cordero Patterson. But um, how many times do you see a kickoff? come out of the end zone anymore nowadays yeah you never do uh the best part i think about that basher return was that um <clears throat> erlacher's in, involved in the play and then you sort of see him go off and then all of a sudden out of nowhere he comes back into frame like just sprinting like it doesn't make any sense how he comes back in and then ends up somehow being a lead blocker again on that play it's it's unbelievable um you know that was that was back when when Erlacher was just a just a, a bolt of lightning, um, but uh, you know and then all of a sudden Basher had this caravan, um, you know. So I, I mean it does. I think it will take a you know like a missed field goal because they they sort of unfortunately or fortunately depending on how you look at it they've sort of taken uh, kickoff returns out of the game with the rule changes. That leads us to another record that likely will never be broken, and that's, of course, is Devin Hester's 18 combined kick returns for touchdowns as a Bear. No, no Bear has more than eight. That's how far, in a way, Devin Hester has, uh, has that record. There's absolutely no way we're going to see that record broken in our lifetime and maybe ever in, in the history of the Bears franchise. Yeah, for sure. I mean, one of a kind, first ballot Hall of Famer, I'm sure. Uh, can't wait for that. Has to be. Absolutely, Devin Hester has to be a first-time, first ballot Hall of Famer when he's eligible, which is, what, two years from now, I believe? Yes. Steve McMichael has a record that we're unlikely to see broken in Bears history. Steve McMichael, he's playing on defensive line. 191 consecutive games played by a defensive lineman. Absolutely unreal. I mean, you can see maybe a receiver if they can stay that long. Guys, that's 12 years. Yeah, it's unbelievable. That's that's 12 years. Okay, minus one game. That's how many consecutive games Steve McMichael played for the Bears. An absolutely amazing record by any stretch of the imagination. 
But to do it in the interior defensive line is truly an amazing feat. Steve McMichael is, is what, in the top three or four in Bears all-time sacks as well. Uh, can you can you maybe have an argument for a Steve McMichael to be in the Hall of Fame? Maybe. Yeah, I mean, sure. I, I, yeah, I mean... I, I I certainly think you can make an argument for it. He, he might be a guy that gets in on the veterans committee type of thing. Could very well be, but uh, that's that's a story for another episode of Halitech Hall that we'll have later on this year when we talk about more historical things and getting getting some very truly uh, worthy bears into the Hall of Fame that aren't. Uh, he's right up there with uh, with the list, like like Helgenberg and, and Olin Krutz uh, and the likes of those guys. So hats off to Steve McMichael for having a record that's unlikely to ever be broken, at least in our lifetimes. Gail Sayers. We've got a couple of records we need to talk about with Gail. First of all, December 12, 1965, the Bears defeated... The 49ers, like 61 to 7, I think was the score. Maybe San Francisco scored a few more points. But Gale Sayers, without playing in the fourth quarter, other than to go back for a punt return, had six touchdowns in one game. He had, wow. I believe, four by, by the way of the run, two, one by pass, and Hallis took him out of the game. He didn't play him in the third quarter. And being up by a million points, I can understand why. But he put him back in late in the fourth quarter on a punt return. And, and we've all seen the video of him cutting back. It looks like he's got eyes in the back of his head. He passes up Dick Butkus going down the, the east sidelines to score his sixth touchdown. It was an 85-yard touchdown return. And you know, it's a, absolutely a, a record I don't think we will ever see broken. You know, Trubisky threw for six touchdowns, but he didn't score six touchdowns last year. Gale Sayers is actually the guy that carried the ball over the goal line six times in one game. An absolutely incredible mark. Two of those touchdowns, by the way were longer than 80 yards that game. <laughs> wow. He had an 80-yard uh, screen pass that went for a touchdown. The, the kickoff or the punt return was 85 yards. And he also had a 50-yard run <laughs> to score a touchdown. Just an inc- incredible day. And, and if you've seen videos, if you haven't seen videos of that day, you need to go to YouTube and look it up because it was absolutely sloppy. The rain fell all day long. The place was absolutely a mud pile when the game was over. But you got to check that out. The day of the game, very, very rainy. That particular day, everything went right for Gale Sayers. The 49ers were slipping. The rest of the Bears were slipping. But Gale just walked through everybody. Sayers recorded one of the NFL's finest single game performances. With that game just two minutes old and the field slick from rain, Gale Sayers sprints past the prospectors for an 80-yard screen pass touchdown run. Once in a generation or a lifetime, the great runner arrives in pro football. 
He is one of the select few whose number is burned into the memory of every fan. Gail Sayers, the superstar. He cuts, weaves, stops, and goes. He runs with power and precision. If I scored 15 touchdowns, hey, it wouldn't be for me. It's for the team. You may be NFL players, but you're just clowns. You're just highway cones for this guy to run around. It was a muddy field for everybody but Gail Sayers. They were slipping and sliding. He was running, cutting, stopping, running. As the saying goes, you ain't seen nothing yet. Watch him now. Sayers, NFL Rookie of the Year. A one-man gale. Dashing 85 dazzling yards on the longest punt return of the season. Here he is, galloping gale, carrying the mail. This is his sixth touchdown of the game. He just blew right through everyone. He had a return for touchdown. He had a, I know he caught a pass for touchdown, and I guess he ran for the other four. The greatest performance in the National Football League history was that performance. Pretty good football game. I did my thing. And so... <laughs> In 1965, that was also Gale Sayers' rookie year. So not only did he score six touchdowns in one year, he scored 22 touchdowns in the year. That has never been broken by a Bears player. And as a rookie, no less. 22 touchdowns in one season, probably something we will, will unlikely to ever see again in our time. What are your thoughts? Now you weren't you you weren't alive when when Gale was was first drafted. I don't even know if you were alive when his career was over. But I'm sure you you've heard stories and seen videos about Gale. What are your thoughts of, of Mr. Sayers? Uh yeah. I mean, I wasn't born until '77, so I definitely didn't see him. Uh, definitely didn't see him play. Um, you, you know, it's certainly. Uh, you know, most of my thoughts about him are just that his, you know, it's a shame his career was cut so short. Um, and, um, you know, also just that <clears throat> kind of similar to, uh, you know, some of the other, it seems like the Bears oftentimes have have had great players and not great teams, um, you know, so, I mean, I know they had some pretty good teams while he was there, but if, if correct me if I'm wrong, but he didn't, uh, he didn't get to win a lot. Did he, um, in terms of like, you know, championships and whatnot? No, of course the, he was drafted in 65. The Bears, right. the Bears championship year was 63. Right. And then of course he played. You know, in 1969 and 1970 and 1971 were some of the darkest times in right. in Bears in Bears history. Um, so he didn't get to enjoy any playoff games. It was the Bears' first playoff game right. after the '63 championship game occurred in 1984. Right. Well, yeah, and that's and that reminds me of. Um, <clears throat> For whatever reason, uh, Erlacher always had an issue with Sayers because Sayers was uh, – he got asked something about Lovey Smith, and he was um, critical of Lovey Smith in playoff games. And Erlacher said something like, well, what does Gail Sayers know about playoff games? Um, and that was sort of an odd <laughs> odd moment for Erlacher. But, he, you know, Erlacher is very uh, defensive uh, of his guys. Um, but, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, that's mostly what I think about with Sayers was just, you know, too short of a career. Uh, unfortunately, didn't play on very good teams. Um, you know, I mean, thank goodness that the Bears got good in the second half of Walter Payton's career because, you know, we could be talking about the, <clears throat> the same thing with him. Um, you know, it just seems like uh, – 
even when the Bears have had uh, these type of generational players, the rest of the team hasn't been um, great. And then, of course, everybody, you know, uh, knows, you know, the, the Brian Song and Brian Piccolo um, fame. And I think that's more of what probably put um, put Gale Sayers into people's consciousness uh, that might not have been Bears fans. Uh, one thing that did get announced, speaking of um, – those teams is they they put out the uniform schedule and the bears are going to wear that helmet uh with the white c um uh against the giants um one game so that'll be pretty cool um i wish they would have gone with the all white uniforms as well but uh they are bringing back that uh that 60s helmet uh that sayers wore uh for one game with the white c on it so that'll be cool white white c and in gray face masks Right. Which, yeah, that's uh, awesome. Which absolutely does complete the look. But uh, you know, speaking of the the Bears, uh, they they also came out with bobbleheads. Mm-hmm. They announced, and the one thing that I think they missed the boat on the the why did they not have the seventies against Minnesota? Because that's the that's the that's the game that that they celebrate the 70s. That uh, Walter Payton is the bobblehead figure that they're they're going to be giving out. And by the way, get there early if you're going because there's only 20,000 bobbleheads for mm-hmm. each game. Why didn't they have that against the Vikings? You know that was I don't know, Payton, it's weird. you know 275 yard game, which we're going to talk about here uh, when we we wrap up this segment. But yeah, 1977 was by far Walter Payton's greatest year, and to not have that honored against the Vikings, I think, was just a little bit short-sighted on on the Bears' part. It's it's almost as if they drew numbers out of a hat, <laughs> saying, yeah. "Okay, we're going to celebrate uh, the 40s, the first game, and we're going to." You know, it is it is what it is. You know, enjoy it, but I think they just Missed the boat on that one. It's funny when when they announced the uh, the uh, bobbleheads and the decades that they were going to be honoring uh, Larry Meyer, who who is a great writer for Chicago Bears, but they published that article saying that the Bears made the playoffs in 1977 and 1970, which is wrong. It was 1977 and 79. So I. I was on Twitter writing to the Bears, and within a couple of hours, they had re-edited it and gotten nice. Right. So, so <laughs> I, I don't know if I can take credit for that, but uh, at least maybe I can say I, I, I helped a little bit. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get you on. We're, we're going to get you on lunch with Larry here coming up, maybe. <laughs> I, I have a bone to pick with Larry Meyer. Uh, yeah. This, this is oh man, this is ten. Ten years. It was, it's 11 years ago. This this uh, preseason, where he was talking about some things, and in in 1978, it was October 1st. The Bears were playing against the Oakland Raiders at home, and Virgil Livers blocked a field goal from Errol Mann, and Mike Spivey picked up the ball and ran it back like 70 some odd yards for a touchdown. And that, to this day, remains the last time the Bears have blocked the field goal and returned it for a touchdown on the same play. I have a picture of that. 
I have a picture of Virgil Lavers blocking that kick that I took in the stands. It's a little fuzzy considering how old it is, but it's hanging in my office in Janesville, Wisconsin. I get a lot of talk about it. I actually emailed a picture, that picture to Larry Meyer to use in his Chalk Talk video and he never in his Chalk Talk uh, articles on Chicago Bears, and he never used it. So I'm like, dude, come on. So yeah, let's get him on the show. We can ask him about that. <laughs> yeah, that'd be pretty funny. He, he's a he's a great guy. He's a company man. <laughs> that's all I can say about Larry. He's a, he's definitely a company man, but that's fine. Yeah, he's you know he, he I actually saw him at uh, at Bourbon A that year, and I asked him. I introduced myself. I told him who I was and the picture I had sent him, and, and for he gave me some reason that he couldn't use it, and I can't remember what it is now because as soon as he said he couldn't use it, I was pretty bummed out. But uh, it is what it is, and it might be something that's tied to the corporate line because the Bears don't own the picture. I do. And uh, I don't know if that was the reason why they couldn't use it or not, but uh, um, it's nice to know that I've got that picture, and trust me, it's a one of a kind. Right. We're going to talk a little bit about George Hallis now. He owns a couple of records that I don't think will ever be broken. The first one, obviously, is his coaching career. He coached the Bears for 40 seasons. Ironically, he did it in four 10-year stretches. He took a break every 10 years. Um, one was one was for the war, World War II, and I can't remember what the other other three times or the other two times he he stepped away for a little bit. But how far away is that record? Well, Coach Nagy's in his second year. Mike Ditka is second on the list coaching the Bears for 11 seasons. So that's likely a, a record that we will never see broken. And I know in my lifetime, because you got 38 years to go for Nagy just the time, and I'm sure I'm not going to be around 30 years from now. But, but Yeah, no way will anybody ever coach anything that long. <laughs> There's just no way. Absolutely. His other record uh, actually stood as an NFL record for like 50 years, in 1923, on again, another November game. There's There's been a lot of history made in, in November. Uh, George Hallis recovered a fumble at the Bears' own two-yard line and ran for 98 yards for a touchdown. And that has only been broken two times in, in the history of the NFL since, but it was on the record books as the longest uh, fumble recovery for a touchdown for almost 50 years. I believe 1972 was when the, his record was broken, I believe, by a guy on Oakland. But I don't think that record is going to be broken by any Bears defenders anytime soon. But you never know. That's one of those things that is a once-in-a-lifetime event. And if lightning strikes, I just hope that we're all around to see it. Yeah, Absolutely. We saved the best for last, Aaron. We all know who this one's going to be, don't we? Um, it's got to be the only, the one and only, Walter Payton. Sure. Okay. Uh, and, I mean, I think right now he holds 30 Bears records, but we're only going to talk about 
four. The first one, of course, is his 16,726 yards rushing in his career. Uh, I don't think we'll see anybody ever get close to that. The NFL has become more of a passing game over over the, the decades, and why we, we still see an occasional running back running for 1,500, 1,600 yards. Uh, it's just, it's such a pass-oriented offense nowadays in the NFL. I don't think we're ever going to see a running back ever get to where Walter got. How big is that record? Only one person's ever broken it. And that, of course, is, is Emmett Smith. So that's one record that I think is safe to say we'll, we'll never see broken in Bears history. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'd just be surprised, especially with Nagy being a you know, committee guy, I don't see anybody getting near that. Um, just, uh, I mean, even we talk about Gail Sayers with the six touchdowns, I, I just feel like the it, mindset of the modern coaches and players is, you know, when you have a huge lead or when, you know, it's like get guys out of the game, you know, you're not going to, um, you know, but you never know. I mean, if, if for some reason, you know, somebody's approaching that record, I mean, I don't know. I mean, although I would say that that's the kind of record that people Bears fans might actually be upset about getting broken, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like because, you know, it'd be like, no, you know what? Don't don't, don't you don't need to break that one. Leave it alone. So <laughs> interesting point. I know that I was upset when Abbott Smith uh, broke Peyton's rushing record back uh, whenever whenever he broke that. And. We we talked a lot of Bear fans have talked about well if if the Bears would have had a an offensive line like Cat, the Cowboys had during Emmett Smith's career oh yeah his, his record would have been so far out of reach that it would still be a record today it mm. probably could have eclipsed twenty thousand yards who who knows sure another one of Walter's career marks that I don't think we'll ever see broken is. He's, he had 77 100-yard rushing games in his career. Think about that. 77 100-yard rushing games in a career. Just absolutely amazing. And I think that, that in 1985, in the, the Super Bowl year, he actually had 10 in a row. Out of out of those 77, he had 10 100-yard rushing games consecutively. That I believe was broken the week after the game in Miami. That the only game that they lost that that year. So that's two career records. Now we're going to talk about two. Well, one single-game record and one single-year record. Uh, and I was blessed to be at this game. This game was another November game. <laughs> Believe it or not, it was November 20th of 1977. Uh, Walter woke up that morning with a 104-degree fever. He was shivering in the Bears locker room, wrapped up in towels before the game. I believe his first run from scrimmage went around right end for almost 40 yards against the Minnesota Vikings, which is why earlier I said I wish they would have had Walter's day in the 70s decade game against the Vikings when when they're in town early in the season. Walter continued just an amazing performance. He scored one touchdown 
The Bears won the game only 10 to 7, but but Walter finished the day with 40 carries for 275 yards, and and that that stood as a single game record, I think, for almost 20 years. I think it's been broken twice since then. I believe Corey Dillon and Adrian Peterson have each uh, eclipsed that record. But just a truly incredible game by an incredible man in an incredible year. And if you have not seen it, you have to go to YouTube and type in Walter Payton 1977 and look at some of the runs that that he had that year. And even though the Bears, you know, they won that game and, and the, the Payton had that record, I think his better game was the week before. The week before, they played Kansas City, and they were just getting killed 17-3 at halftime. The Bears came back to win that game 28-27 to on a last-second touchdown. But Walter Payton ran for more than 190 yards and scored three touchdowns against the Kansas City Chiefs that game. So you got to go back. you got to look, look at those films. Walter Payton's game against the, the Kansas City Chiefs, the game against the, the Minnesota Vikings, were just two remarkable games, and I was blessed to have been able to be in attendance for both of those games. The last record of Walter Payton's we're going to talk about, and the last record of our show today is Walter Payton's 1,852 yards rushing, which is a single-season mark for not only Walter but the entire Bears franchise, and not many players have rushed for more than that. And a couple of side notes, he did it in only... 14 games, and you weren't alive, but in 1977, the Bears played at the Meadowlands against the Giants on the last game of the year. They needed to win. They kicked the field goal in overtime, but they were literally playing on an ice-covered field. There was about two inches of slush on that field, and the, the Giants didn't have the field covered before the game. They did it on purpose to try to slow down Walter. Had they not done that, who knows? Walter could have broken at that time. I believe it was O.J. Simpson's mark for 2,003 yards, which was the single season mark. And again, so he he basically did 1,850 yards rushing in in only 13 games. It was absolutely single-handedly. He carried that Bears team into the playoffs where they ultimately got beat by Dallas. But just truly, Aaron, it's the most incredible year I've ever seen a Bears player have. And I was just happy to be uh, be there for every single home game that year. Yeah, it's pretty wild. I mean, you look at that season, they were 3-5 and five and then, uh, then rattled off six wins in a row to make the playoffs. Um, and then, of course, they end up losing to the eventual Super Bowl champion Cowboys um, in the playoffs. Um, so that's it's pretty amazing. I mean, how do you have the the MVP of the league and have a guy, you know, one of the best seasons of all time, 132 yards a game rushing average. And then, you know, you only you still only managed to go uh, nine and five. And of course, they were only still only playing 14 games um, at this time. Um but, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, it, it, the, the team didn't get better around him until, until the 80s. So, um, but, yeah, I mean, that season is just, it's, it's, it's ridiculous, the numbers that he put up. How ridiculous was it? 
I'm glad you asked. <laughs> the Bears, <laughs> the Bears accounted for their offense accounted for four thousand six hundred and fifty-five yards of offense in 1977. Walter Payton had 1,852 yards rushing. And, oh, by the way, he threw in another almost 300 yards receiving. So he he totaled 2,121 yards of total offense, which was almost 50% of the Bears' total offense in 1977. So you could literally say that Walter carried that team on his back into the playoffs in 1977. They missed in 78. They went back to the playoffs in 79 when they had a little bit of a better year. As a wild card team, they finished 10 and 6. 1977 was the last year that the NFL played only a 14 game season. They went to 16 games the following year, and they've been at 16 games every year since, probably until 2020 when they're going to go to 18 games. At least that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's going to take a little while. I think they got to expand the rosters um, and they got to figure out, you know, how to uh, how to pay these guys. I mean, I think that's at the end of the day, you know, they'll play more games, but got to got to pay them. So as we close the show, this is another great tie in. The the Football Players Association and the league have already started talks on renewing the collective bargaining agreement, which does expire after, I believe, next year. So it'll be interesting to see if they can get that deal done before the 19 season starts. Uh, And I think you're going to see that that 18-game season come to pass. One of the easiest things they can do is the roster as it stands now, they only dress 46 players out of the 53 so why not dress all 53 players so you have enough players so you can get those players some rest during during the game? They can maybe increase the roster by two and make it 55, but dress all 55. Yeah, I've never I've never understood that. That drives me crazy. I I don't like I just and then nobody's ever really explained a good reason for it. Um, you know, they're so all about player safety. Well, let's, you know, let's let them dress some more guys so that, you know, when, when players are injured, the, the team has more options to go to. So the guys don't, you know, uh, want to, you know, kill themselves to get back out there and, and play with concussions and things like that. You know, like I just, you know, they're on the roster, they're getting paid, you know, why can't they dress? I mean, you, you think about, um, you know, these teams in the in the 80s, you know, used to have uh, you know, three quarterbacks and, and whatnot. And, I mean, especially this season when the Bears have so many skill position players, like, you know, it'd just be amazing to to have more players. I mean, in college, they have like 90 players on the roster. Like, I, I don't understand. I don't know. I'd love to find somebody who can explain to me what the reasoning behind only dressing, uh, you know, that few of guys. It's, it's, it's dumbfounding. Absolutely. Hey, that wraps up another Halitech Hall for July. We are three weeks away from camp opening. We're just nine weeks away from the regular season when the Bears take on Green Bay at Soldier Field Thursday night. 
Uh, Aaron and I will be there. Maybe we can even have a couple of live uh, segments taped during the that game for our Halitech Hall that week. We'd like to thank Adam Rank for coming on our sister show, The Tailgate, earlier this week. Uh, please go to, to our podcast at Podbean or, or Apple Podcasts to give a listen to Adam Rank. Thank you for listening to our show. Tell all your friends. If we get to 500 followers, we're going to be giving away two tickets to the Bears' first preseason game in Chicago uh, on August 8th. And, of course, thank you to our sponsor, TickSplits.com, which, quite frankly, we wouldn't be having a show if it wasn't for TickSplits. So, Aaron, great show. Have a great week. Have a safe and happy 4th of July. See your, your son's ready to go fire up some fireworks in the background there. Yeah. Uh, since we can see each other while we're recording this, uh, but you guys can't see us on the podcast, at least I don't think. No, uh, not so, yet. So, not yet. So, that said, thank you for joining us on Halitech Call on this July 4th holiday week, and we will see you next week. Aaron, send us off. Yes, sir. Thanks for listening. Please uh, go online and rate and review and subscribe to The Tailgate Show. Um, That's where you'll get all the shows. Um, And again, we are on Podbean. We are on Apple uh, Podcasts. We are on YouTube. Uh, and we're always posting links right on Twitter, so you can listen to the show uh, right on Twitter. Um, so find us, uh, subscribe to us, rate and review us. Uh, we really appreciate it. And, of course, thanks to TickSplits for uh, being our sponsor. Uh, use the promo code TAILGATE for 5% off your order. And uh, thanks so much. Have a happy 4th, and we'll see you again soon on Haltech Hall.